Welcome to another spectacular word from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. So, have you found 2 Thessalonians yet? We're going to be in 2 Thessalonians in chapter 3, and we're going to be reading there a little bit. We'll begin with verse 1. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says. Finally, oh, I, I love that. Finally. <laughs> you, ever, you ever take a deep breath and say, finally? Well, he's giving them here a conclusion, basically, and telling them, finally, brethren, pray for us. Here the Apostle Paul is needing prayer. Pray for us, me and my team that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified just as it is with you. Now, 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 get this picture with me if you would, okay? The Apostle Paul is basically saying, what an interesting statement, he's saying, pray for us that we would be more like you. Isn't that interesting? Pray for us that the word of God, the word of the Lord might run swiftly and be glorified just like it's happening with you guys. And he's writing back to a church that he started. Uh, what an interesting statement. Perhaps, you know, uh, uh, he's, he's reflecting on Psalms 147, verse 15. It says, God, talking about God, God sends out his command to the earth. His word runs swiftly. It just does. The word of the Lord runs swiftly. I mean, you know, it, it'll like catch on fire. The word of the Lord, it just goes from person to person to person to person to person. If you let the word of God out, the Bible says in Isaiah 55 that the word that goes out of God's mouth, it does not return void, but it accomplishes what he sent it out to do. You know, it's like seed in the ground. The Bible says, though you wake and sleep and wake and sleep and you don't even know how. But when you hear the word of the Lord, it's going to be like a seed and it'll bring up. You know how seeds are? If you walk out here in our parking lot, and we constantly address this issue, but if you walk out in this parking lot, you're going to find grass growing in some crack. How does that happen? That's because the seeds of the grass run swiftly. You know, they find any place that they can get in. And that's the way the Word of God is. This morning as we share the Word of God here on campus and also for those of you that are on our online congregation, do you know the Word of the Lord is going to find some place in your life? There's no way you can avoid this. You can't outrun it. You can't outdistance it. You can't, you know, you can't stop it. God's Word is like a little seed, even the tiniest of a mustard seed. It's going to find a place in your life, in your mind, in your heart. It's going to find a place, and it is going to be productive. The Word of God is going to check you, challenge you, and change you. Why not just go ahead and go with it? In fact, a better idea is just open up your heart and your mind to the Word of God right now and let God Fill your heart with his word. It is running swiftly. Well, this was an interesting statement by the Apostle Paul. So let me further explain this phrase and what it meant to Paul uh, in that particular moment, okay, from his standpoint. It was about the year 50 A.D., about 20 years after Jesus had been crucified, that the Apostle Paul went to Thessalonica. Now, uh, he was 45 years old. 
he had been on his first mission trip to Europe here. And he came to what is, is now Greece. And, uh, you know, we're going to be going to Greece. Uh, Eighty-two of you are going to Greece with me. I'm so excited about that. Uh, don't forget to sign up. All the spots are filled right now. But if you sign up, you know, occasion has it that occasionally, you know, people have to drop off or something, and you can move up into one of those spots. Uh, in, in June, I'm looking so forward to it. The Apostle Paul, we're going to do the steps of Paul. You know, uh, uh, neat, man. I'm, I'm so excited about this. Kevin, you know, uh, you got baptized in the Aegean Sea in Turkey. We're going to be right across that sea there, right over there in, in Greece. I'm excited. Well, the Apostle Paul, he got to Philippi, and you know what happened to him there. You know, he, he led several people to the Lord. He birthed a great church, and we have a letter that's written back to the Philippians. And you can read Acts chapter 16. You can go back to the last three Wednesday nights. I've taught on Acts chapter 16 and find out what happened in Philippi when the Apostle Paul was there, including how he got arrested and put in prison. His feet were in stocks, you know. And then uh, after being beaten, you know, uh, God performed a miracle there for the Apostle Paul. And and, and uh, opened up the prison doors and you know and, and and the prisoners got saved and the jailer got saved and his household got saved and what a miracle comes out of uh, uh, difficult times and so uh, uh, Paul ended up however being asked to leave Philippi and so he did you know and he walked down to Thessalonica now Thessalonica, uh, you know, was a, was a fairly large city here, and he was led by the Holy Spirit to stop there. Acts 17 will give you the account of Paul arriving in Thessalonica, and the Bible says that Paul spent three weeks. It says three Sabbaths. It could have been a little longer than three weeks, but he, he was there over three Saturdays. He was trying to persuade those who attended the local synagogue in Thessalonica, he was trying to persuade them that Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified 20 years ago, was the Messiah and was Lord. And, and so we read in, in, in Acts 17, verse 4, the Bible says, uh, and, and this is the Apostle Paul in Thessalonica, and some of them were persuaded, some of them believed in Jesus. A great multitude of devout Greeks, not, and, and, and not a few of the leading women, joined Paul and Silas. But the Jews who were not persuaded, becoming envious, took some of the evil men from the marketplace, and gathering a mob, they set all the city in the uproar. <laughs> you know, I mean, all of a sudden here, Paul is in the midst of this persecution and this uproar and all the stuff that's going on because he is here trying to tell people about a God who has a plan for their eternal life, a God that loves them and a God that has provided for them and a God that, you know, is going to meet their needs. And the whole city ends up being in an uproar because of some envious and evil men who were there. Well, every indication is that the Apostle Paul spent a very, very little time in Thessalonica. He had to leave there. And, you know, he, he was only just, you know, um, a few days, a couple of weeks maybe in, in Philippi, and now he's perhaps only three weeks, maybe less than a month anyway, here in Thessalonica. And he's forced to leave there. Well, about a year and a half later, 
the Apostle Paul is in Corinth. And about the year A.D. 51, A.D. 52, and the Apostle Paul decides he's been hearing all of the good things that are happening in Thessalonica. The church that he started, he was only there a few days. The church that he started there is just going great. And the Word of God is, is going out everywhere from Thessalonica. And the people that listened to him and heard him, they have stood up against the persecution. They have stood up against all the others. And they have been carrying the Word of God, I mean, to all the known region. It was amazing. And so Paul, hearing about this, he sits down about a year and a half later and writes a letter to them. It was his first letter. We have it as First Thessalonians. And then... He hears back, after having written this letter, he hears back from them that his letter confused a few of them, or at least some of the people in the church. Y'all remember those evil men and those, you know, they, they got a mob together? There were still some people there that didn't like him. And so they read his letter and they began to misquote him. They began to misrepresent what the Apostle Paul said. They begin to, you know, some of them begin to teach that the resurrection. Well, Paul said the resurrection has already happened. Well, no, Paul didn't say that. He talked about the resurrection, but he didn't say it already happened. And so they began to misquote him and malign him and say evil things about him. And the apostle Paul then, just a few months later, after hearing about that, sits down to write Second Thessalonians. Okay, and in Second Thessalonians. What the Apostle Paul is saying, uh, letting him know that, that, that you know, he's proud of them and he wants to correct what some of them have heard. But also, he is so overwhelmed that in less than three years, after having only spent perhaps three or four weeks there, in less than three years, those seeds that he sowed had come up so amazing, and they were sending out people, and they were, the, you know, and, 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 and so that, that's why he wrote to them that, my goodness, you know, you, you have grown, and you've matured, and, 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 you know, he credits them with keeping those first instructions that he had given them. He credits them with keeping those commands. He said, you're doing what I first wrote to you. You're doing those things, and it's evident that because you're doing those things, that the word of God is running swiftly and you're doing great. Would you pray for me? Would you pray for me and Silas? I mean, you know, Paul and Silas were going everywhere carrying the word of God, but he's asking them, I, I only spent a little time with you. I only put a few seeds in there, but those seeds have multiplied and now you're doing so great and, and even against the persecution, you're amazing. Would you pray for me that I could be like that? And he credits them, the reason they have done well, he says, is because you have kept the commands that I left with you. Now, what? Yeah, you've, you've kept the command. You followed the instructions that I wrote to you. You followed the instructions that I gave you. Now, that's just amazing to me. But you know and I know that we have been in that same place before. Have you ever had a friend that was going through a problem? You ever had a friend that was facing some situation and you gave them advice on how to fix it? And whenever they walked away, you thought, man, I should do that myself. <laughs> you ever do that? <laughs> yeah. I counsel so much that I often leave a counseling session and have to go straight to repentance. <laughs> you know, 
It's just amazing some of the wisdom that will come out of us for other people. <laughs> Somebody asked me the other day, what should I do about this? I said, well, you know, why don't you, you know, we, we don't have a lot of time to talk. Why don't you go over there in the corner and act like and you're telling somebody else what to do about that? <laughs> and then just do whatever you told them. <laughs> That's often the truth. We can, we're, we're so quick. You know, a couple of gifts that I have is I have a real gift for the, for the blatantly obvious. Also, I have a gift of hindsight. I am, I am right on with hindsight, man. I, I got this, this, it's a dynamic gift that works in me. Uh, and also, I have this really uncanny, like you, uh, ability to give other people my opinions on what they should do. The Apostle Paul is writing just like this. He's just a regular man. He's, you know, he's, he's been called of God, he's been saved, he's been filled with the Spirit, he's, he's out here you know, challenging people to believe the Word of God, and then when he sees somebody doing it, and he sees that they have done what he wrote to them to do, he gets so excited, and he said, listen, you know, would you pray for me that I could be more like you? Oh, how many about that? I have had that experience more than once. You know, you end up helping somebody through a problem, then you want to go to them and say, "How'd you do that?" You know, well, I did what you said. Oh, listen, would you pray for me that I do it too? You know. So, at any rate, let's go back to Second Thessalonians chapter three, where where the apostle Paul is, you know, saying this. He says, "Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified, just as it is with you." And that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. There was my title, unreasonable and wicked men. Pray for us, because in Thessalonica, they had some unreasonable and wicked people there. My goodness, they, 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 you know, they were, were committed to persecuting the church. And they had maligned and misrepresented and misquoted the Apostle Paul. And he said, you know, you have done this in the face of unreasonable and wicked men. He said, pray for us as well that we might be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. For not all have faith. But the Lord is faithful who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord concerning you. Both that you do and will do the things we command you. you you've, you've done what I've left you to do. I mean, my goodness, I got confidence that you're going to pray for us too. And, uh, but because I know that the last things I told you to do, you do what we've commanded you to do. And I know you're going to keep doing what we've commanded you to do. He says now, verse 5, May the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. Well, you know, whenever I read this, I realized that I also wanted to know what the Lord had commanded the people in Thessalonica to do through the Apostle Paul. Because if, if they were doing what they had been commanded to do what they'd been instructed to do, what they had been encouraged to do, and it, the results were that they had, you know, marveled the apostle Paul, and Paul wanted to be more like them. Then I wanted to know what was it that they had been told to do? What was it that that he had commanded them, instructed them, taught them to do? Well, I didn't have to look very far. All I had to do was just go back to 1 Thessalonians into the first letter and see what the Apostle Paul, by the Holy Spirit, had commanded them to do. 
And so in 1 Thessalonians, the fifth chapter, verse 14, let me read just a few verses. You can go back and read the whole thing. But this encapsulates what they had been commanded to do that evidently they had done, and it had caused them to be an example even to the Apostle Paul. And he was wanting their prayer for him to be more like them. In the 14th verse, Now we exhort you, the Apostle Paul is writing to them, I encourage you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all. Okay, my goodness, that's a big list, isn't it? He doesn't stop there. Verse 15, see that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good, both for yourselves and for all. Verse 16, rejoice always. Verse 17, pray without ceasing. Verse 18, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. What's happening is not necessarily the will of God, but it's the will of God that you give thanks to God in everything and rejoice and pray without ceasing and, and don't pay evil back for evil. Don't you know, uh, uh, pursue what is good for yourselves and others. And then he says in, in verse uh, 19, do not quench the spirit. I have a friend that's preaching this morning in Montgomery, Alabama, and if he preaches over this message here, uh, Eddie, I know what you're going to say. He says the word squinch the spirit. I don't know. Don't, and I can't hardly read this without saying, don't squinch the spirit. <laughs> he and I were out in, in, uh, in the Serengeti near Tanzania. Uh, we, were, we were ministering and enjoying uh, one another, and, and we were quoting scriptures, and that's one of the ones he quoted, don't squinch the spirit. <laughs> I got so tickled at him. Verse 20, do not despise prophecies. You know, don't think little of the things that God says he's going to do. Verse 21, test all things. You know, the King James says prove all things. You know, I mean, go, go ahead and make sure. Throw them up against the word of God. And when you find what is good, hold on to it. Okay? When you find something that is God, hold on. Hold fast to that which is good. Uh, and then verse 22, we'll, we'll, we'll stop here. Abstain from every form of evil. If he'd have just said that, I think they'd have been better off. <laughs> that's, that's, that's pretty much a lot of it. Abstain from every form of evil. Don't let your good be evil spoken of, okay? Uh, stop doing anything that looks like evil. <laughs> well, I could write, and so could you, an exhaustive commentary on every one of these encouragements every one of these commands these are from the apostle paul inspired by the holy spirit they are the word of the lord not only to those living in thessalonica but also to us today it's the word of the lord you know life is going to be filled with people who do not share your faith in god people who do not always appreciate your commitment to christ now, I realize we here in a Western world environment, especially in America, if we're not watchful, we can embrace an American dream theology. Do you know what the American dream theology is? If the American dream theology says that it's all about me, that God promises me. I've been promised by the Word of God life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. I'm sorry, you have not been. 
that is not the promise of God. That's the promise of America. And thank God for America. I love America. I'm so proud to be an American. Let me tell you, I am. Thank you, Jesus and George Washington. Hallelujah. Glory to God, you know. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, and the Constitution of the United States, you know. Uh, guarantees us life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And sometimes we have to, you know, uh, you know push hard to keep those things. Uh, and I'm one of those. Uh, but the American dream theology many times belies the Word of God that tells us that we should deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Him. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Sometimes it's not all about us. Sometimes it's about those who have not heard. Sometimes it's about someone else in the group that needs a win. Let me, let me talk to you men for just a moment, okay? If you win every argument in your house, you are married to a loser. And you made them that way. Stop it. Oh, that was a good word. Never mind. If every time you are right and you hold on to being right every time, then your children are going to raise feeling like they're always wrong. And you know that's not the truth. Be bigger than that. Okay? Be bigger than that. It doesn't attack your authority or your leadership or your position. But come on, many times we are called by God to deny ourselves, to take up our cross and follow Him. And sometimes other people in our circle need a win. Sometimes other people in our circle need appreciation. Sometimes they need to be valued just as much as you do. Sometimes... We need to, moms, you know, uh, uh, you know, children, listen, it's important that we realize that we need to do some things that may cut against the grain of our humanity and our human nature. That's what the Apostle Paul was writing to those in Thessalonica. Be bigger than yourself. Be bigger than just a human with, with your carnal nature so close to the surface of your life. That's why he tells them, you know, be bigger than your problems. Rejoice always. You know, you know pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. Be bigger than your current situation, than those things that surround you. And realize that, that God is bigger than that. And, and, and if things are bad, God's going to get closer, not farther away from you. God does not distance himself from people or problems. He doesn't. He gets closer. We learned this morning in, in our first service, creation teaches us uh, with, with God coming down to a world that was chaotic and dark. It's that, that, that's him, him showing us the message of the gospel. 
how that my life was dark and chaotic. He created me. He created the heavens and the earth. And, and, but then he found the earth. He found me, you know, uh, uh, chaotic, without form and darkness. It covered the face of the, of, 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 of the deep. And God moved down to the earth. Jesus came down to the chaos and the darkness in my life. Is it too much for him to ask me to move out into the darkness and the pain and the worry and the hurt and the fear. That's what the church in Thessalonica did. They decided that they would follow the Apostle Paul's instructions, his, his exhortations, his commands, if you were. And, and, and they, they decided that, that they would abstain from every form of evil. And what happened? The Apostle Paul saw that the Word of God was running swiftly. It was like wildfire. It was catching on because they were not... Uh, you know, um, they, they did not subject themselves to the emotions or the feelings of, of, of those around them that were pushing and pressing in upon them, to their internal fears, their outward pressures. You know, uh, we need to be bigger than the persecution and the threats of unreasonable and wicked men. You will encounter unreasonable and wicked people in your life. You will. You will encounter unreasonable and wicked persecutions and threats when you've done nothing wrong sometimes it will just seem so unfair but if you're not watchful the human nature will want you to respond out of the carnality of your life out of that old nature and and you will render evil for evil you'll want to get them back you want to say bad things about them because they said bad things about you the apostle paul told them in thessalonica don't be that way don't be there and so they didn't you know he knew that life would be taxing he knew how it felt to be con constantly bombarded with unlawful requirements you know the magistrates and administrators of whole cities would turn out and would tell him, you got to stop doing this. you got to stop doing that. You know, and he knew what it was like to be threatened. Peter and John knew what it was like to be threatened and be told by leadership, you cannot do this, you cannot do that. You know, perhaps at some point in your life, whether it's here in, in, in the United States or whether it's in some country that you may be in or that you may be going to, you may be told that it is unlawful to love and to value someone that you love and value enough to share the good news of Jesus Christ with them. But what Peter and John said that day in Acts chapter 4, whether it's right to obey God or obey you, you'll have to be the judge. But we can but do what God has told us to do. And you know what God has told us to do? He's told us to abstain from every form of evil. He's told us to, you know, to, to do two things. I'm, I'm, let, me, let me boil it down as we, as we close. Okay, the instructions that were given by the Holy Spirit. You know, the Apostle Paul had been maligned and misquoted, mistreated. He had been misunderstood by those who should have protected him. He knew he needed prayer. The Apostle Paul says, I need you to pray for me, that I can be more like you in the situations that I'm facing. Instead of allowing other people to get to him, he was hoping for prayer and encouraged. He encouraged the people at Thessalonica to take control of their lives. Don't let life control you. You take control. And he told them in, in, in 2 Thessalonians 3, 5. These words still ring true today, by the way. He said, direct your hearts. Do you know you can do that? Do you know you can direct your heart? 
Think about this. Think about this. He said, listen now, you're going to encounter some unreasonable and wicked people. You know, I know you've been persecuted. I know you've been pressured. But I know that you have done well. You have kept the commands that I have left with you. You've done well, and I know you're going to keep doing these things. But here's what you need to do. You know, pray for us, okay? And, and, and you know, that, 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 that God would help us be more like you. But I want you to direct your hearts in two areas, he said. Number one, you can read 2 Thessalonians again, 3, 5. We read it a moment ago. Direct your hearts into the love of God. Do you know we really do need to tell our heart? Get right, heart. You know, don't hate people, even when they're wicked and unreasonable. Do you know that God values every soul? God loves the unlovable. God loves the unkind. God loves the inconsiderate. God even loves those who can't spread pickles out on a hamburger, but put all of them in one stack and... And you get them all in one bite. God loves these people. Or the people that can't roll tacos the right direction. And when you roll it, you take a bite, you get a whole bite of sour cream. What is it? I don't know. God loves these people. <laughs> he loves the person that cuts you off in traffic. <laughs> oh, he even loves your boss. <laughs> he does. And you know, if I'm going to be of value to him and I'm going to help him, and if the Word of God is actually going to have free course in my life and run swiftly, I'm going to ask you guys, would you all pray for me? <laughs> would you all pray for me that, that, that I could direct my heart into the love of God to value who he values, to love who he loves, and to love them like he loves them? You know? Oh, gosh, I want to be that guy. The second thing he said, direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. Wow. You know, whenever I think about Jesus right now, I don't really see him pestering God about when can I go back, you know, and on the edge of his seat, on the edge of his throne, you know, stomping his feet and kicking around. I think he is fully confident that God has a time for everything and that God can be fully trusted. And I think he's ready, but I also know he's patient. I know he's patient with me. I know that he is so patient with me. Do you know normally he will tell me quite a number of times in a nice and a kind way what I need to do or stop doing all along the way? He'll tell me in a lot of ways. He'll tell me from the word that I read or that I hear or from, you know, uh, you know uh, always two or three times from Brenda. And, uh, you, know, you know, he'll encourage me all along. He's so patient. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start directing my heart. Whenever I'm challenged by unreasonable and wicked men, you know, to follow their unlawful dictates or you know uh you know you know what i'm just going to direct my heart into the love of god doesn't mean i'm going to do what they say don't get me wrong here okay i'll i'll follow the lord okay even if it costs me with a smile on my face 
I'll deny myself, take up my cross, and follow him. Okay? But I'm going to do it in love. We can do that, can't we? Hey, can't you do that? You know what? Let me tell you, it's as simple as a decision, by the way. Okay? Now, uh, you have a special power. If you have been born again, you have a real special power. It's the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. Okay? Now, if you hadn't been born again, get saved right now. Just say, Jesus, come into my heart and my life. Save me. Forgive me my sins. Save me. Take me to heaven when I die. Teach me what I should do. Okay? That's, that's simple. It's free. Okay? Uh, and, and, and you don't deserve it. If you deserved it, you couldn't have it because it's of grace. Okay? And grace means we don't deserve it, but we can get it. It's free. Right now, you can be born again. Here on campus or online, you can be saved by simply asking Jesus Christ to come into your heart and your life and be your Lord and your Savior. That will happen. He will forgive you of your sins and save you, and He will send His Holy Spirit into your life to live with you. That will happen. It's the only way it can happen. Okay? It can't happen any other way than you personally and sincerely. You know, If you believe in Him, just ask him into your heart. That's all. Okay? It works. You can do that right now. Okay? And once you are born again, you have a special power. It's the Holy Spirit. And when you make a commitment, when you make a commitment to follow God, do you know that the Holy Spirit reminds you of that? He remind, and he makes it so much easier, so much easier. Royce, I don't know tell how many times you tried to quit smoking, drinking, doing drugs. But, boy, I remember when you walked into the church down there. How many years ago has that been, Royce? 1993. You know? Today is the day. Today is the day. 1993. He walked into that church down there in our old church building. You know? Whew. He walked out of there. He was free special power in his life has reminded him every day since then you want to know why Royce is in church you want to know how Royce brought a you know brought his tithes and offerings to the Lord today because every day he made a commitment one day Amen. he said I'm going to do this one day and it's spoken to him through every situation circumstance trials test Every one of them, it's spoken to him. Boom, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. Gonna, yeah, I said that, you know, and God helps him do it. That's just a, I could go on and on, but we don't have time to talk about the whole use in. <laughs> okay, the commitment is where it's at. Direct. Would you pray with me right now? Those of you on, uh, online, you know, pray with me. There, there, there's no distance here, okay? Those of you on campus, let's pray together that God would help us as we make a commitment. I'm going to direct my heart. I'm not going to let circumstances, situation, unreasonable, wicked men, or any, you know, any other pressures to direct my heart. I'm going to say heart, love, value, and be patient. God has a plan. He will succeed, and I'm going to help him. I'm going to participate in his plan. Would you pray with me right now? Just, just go ahead and, 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 and just voice this prayer with me in your heart to God. God, Lord, we make a commitment, Lord. First, God, we, Lord, we ask you into our lives, fresh and brand new, God. Lord, Jesus, come into our heart, into our lives, Lord. Be our Lord. Be our Savior, God. Oh, Lord, forgive us of our sins. Teach us every day how to be more like you. I give my heart to you. Help me. Help me, Jesus. And, Lord, let your Holy Spirit remind me every day in every situation 
that you love the people that I'm interacting with. You love even the wicked and the unreasonable. You love those, Lord, that, that don't love me, Lord, those that don't even like me. Help me, Lord, to direct my heart in the love of God, into the love of God, Lord, to value those that you value. Help me, God. I know it's not easy, God. I know, God, it's not easy, Lord. Help me, sir. And Lord, also help me to direct my heart into the patience of Christ. Help me to be patient. Lord, and that's just trusting you. Trusting you for the outcome and knowing that you will take care of every need I have. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Amen. Hey, thanks again for joining us for another powerful message from Pastor Ron Hemmons. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.